I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as zombies, demons, franchises, and directors' bodies of work. All right, so here we are back for episode 11, Night of the... It was supposed to be episode 10. We thought it'd be kind of fun because it's such an open category. It's not the same director. It's not the same kind of movies. Yeah, it's just the lead-in of titles, which sounded really fun. Yeah, and they're decent movies for the most part that I fucking really enjoyed growing up. So uh, we got fucking classics like Night of the Creeps. We got Night of the Comet. We got Night of the Demons. I'm pretty sure that's all of them, right? Um, uh, There's a couple of werewolf ones. Uh, Night of the Wolf got changed to the late phases, and Night of the Werewolves got changed to Dog Soldiers. So no, we don't have to cover them in this episode at all. <laughs> so my first movie... I want to talk about George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead, 1968. Of course we're going to cover that. Yeah, we couldn't forget that one, guys. I really, I almost wanted to talk about the Tom Savini remake in the 90s, because I fucking, that was a good movie. I like it. It's different. Um, A lot of the differences, though, that people bitch about were actually original things George Romero wanted to do, so. Yeah. Did you actually know that uh, Tom Savini was supposed to work on this film, and he got sent to Vietnam to be a photographer? I knew he was supposed to work on it. I didn't know the Vietnam part. Yeah, he got sent to Vietnam as a photographer, so he couldn't do it. So that's part of why I wanted to do the remake. No shit. I'm going to kind of, we are going to talk about the movie, but this is one of those films that has a lot of backstory. And the the people responsible for the film have a lot of backstory as well. It's really interesting that Tom Zavini remade it because uh, technically Josh and I could go remake Night of the Living Dead right now if we wanted to. Yes, we could. This podcast could be called Night of the Living Dead podcast. We could play the whole movie's audio on here and not get in trouble. I could uh, distribute copies of the film myself. And uh, it's just really interesting because George Romero's inexperience in filmmaking and uh, having to change the name of the movie at the last minute because it was originally called Night of the Flesh Eaters. And he uh. wanted to, you know, because they were just flesh eating things. And there was another movie called The Flesh Eaters. And oh. so that couldn't happen. And uh, back then, until they changed copyright law, if you didn't put that little C with a circle on it on your title card of the movie, your movie was open domain. Yeah. So he released Night of the Living Dead, which is a classic, which spawned the entire zombie franchise as open domain. Yeah, that was really jacked up the way that happened with it being in, in public domain right out the gate. And there was, I think there was a couple other, what we now look back on as zombie-esque movies, right. but... This is the one. This, what, this is what everybody harkens back to. That's what's interesting, though. Before this film, a zombie was a mindless person controlled by like a voodoo doctor. Yeah. And George Romero never calls them zombies in this movie. Yeah. And they're not zombies. They're called ghouls in the movie. They're called those things. They're called fiends. They're called flesh eaters. Yeah. And uh, it's really funny how zombie turned into that. But it, that's not what a zombie was beforehand. No. It's like you it, it just accidentally make something. <laughs> but uh, at, at the heart of this, at the core, we have George Romero. And I know that I don't think he had any formal film training, right? I know he went to college, but I know that like I remember seeing on uh, like the round table documentary him saying that, you know, they were wanting to make a movie and they didn't really have any film experience, but he knew a guy or he could go run reels between offices and he could like sneak in and kind of watch and like pick up things from there. No kidding. So I, I saw him say that, but him and a group of friends, they started the latent image. And they're a company that made commercials, primarily beer commercials, which we can all get behind that, right? And uh, they made a few short movies, and they made some money doing that. And and George and nine friends that were producers, and that's the the 10. They're called the – there was a documentary about the round table, and it was just him and the people that made the movie. They they started Image 10 Productions, okay? Okay. And they wanted to make a movie, and two of them sat down writing, 
It was George Amiro and the guy that helped him write it. I can't think of his name right now, but uh, <laughs> they, they were both coming up with different ideas. And his buddy was writing about these like flesh eating aliens okay. coming down and eating people. And George Amiro had just read the book. I am legend. And he decided he wanted to rip it off, ah. which you know ended up being Omega man. And then they did the Will Smith movie. Yeah. So he ripped off a, I am legend and wrote the cemetery scene, showed it to his buddy. And then they combined the two. Okay. And that's, I mean, that's how we got Night of the Living Dead written there. This movie came out pre-ratings, like literally came out in the theaters a month before the ratings got put in. Ratings yeah. board. So they got to do some crazy shit. Roger Ebert said that it was uh, really fucked up seeing the movie because he saw it in a packed theater. I think it was a drive-in maybe. But uh, there were children everywhere watching the movie. And it's because you just, there wasn't gory and graphic things that often out. And there's no rating system to protect kids from that. So that's interesting. Yeah. The farmhouse, the whole movie is essentially set in a farmhouse for a good part of it. And it was about to be demolished, you know, and George Romero is like sightseeing, you know, for locations. And he's like, oh, you're going to destroy the house. We can take care of that for you. <laughs> it's uninhabitable. They built the kitchen first because they're like, we need a place to eat while we're making this movie. And the house doesn't actually have a basement. It's like Evil Dead. Oh, OK. Yeah. So they put a fake door to look like a basement. The basement that they use for the movie is actually the basement at their office where they stored all the original reels. They got damaged in a flood. Oh, damn. Yeah. There's no original prints of this anymore. This movie was shot when color was a thing and yeah. popular. He just only had access to a black and white camera at first. And, and they actually, when they started getting ready to make the movie and doing test shots, they got the opportunity to get a color camera and he didn't think it was as creepy looking. Oh, okay. He thought the black and white was creepier and blood. They could do anything for blood. Which they did. They used chocolate syrup. Yay. And red ink. Or it just, it was ink. Maybe not red. So when it's like splashed and running, it was always chocolate syrup. But if they just needed like it to set there on a person, they just used ink. Okay. With the exception for a couple scenes, they didn't even like make the people look rotted. They, um, because you you couldn't see what color their skin was or anything. What they did is they looked, see what facial features they had that stood out. Like if it was your brow, they darken it. If it was like under your eyes, they darken it. Your cheekbones, they darken it. And it would just make you look unnatural. Yeah. So it's really neat how they did that. Um, like I said, they're called ghouls in the movie. I think fiends, maybe those things never called zombies, but that's kind of a trend in zombie movies. No, they literally edited the movie, overdubbed the sound. And as soon as they finished the last edit, George Romero and one of his buddies threw it in a trunk and said, let's go drive to a drive and see if we can play this damn thing. <laughs> like, I mean, they were just, they were ready to rock on it. No, that's a gorilla right there. Spawned a franchise spawned. I mean, zombies are fucking everywhere, guys. Yeah. I mean, hell, Walking Dead. I know it's on I, a huge decline right now, but it's like one of the biggest TV shows ever made. Yeah. At the time of this recording, zombies are over fucking saturated, in my yeah. opinion. When they were making the Walking Dead comic, it was almost called Night of the Living Dead because he fucking could. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's this thing and got remade by Tom Savini. Good movie. But if you guys have never seen it, fucking watch the original Black and the White Night of the Living Dead. It's fucking awesome. You, um, you open the movie up to a cemetery scene. There's a car rolling in. You got Johnny and Barbara, their brother and sister, and they're going to visit their mom's grave, right? And they're bringing flowers, and they just have just fucking banter going back and forth. No. And uh, while they're visiting the grave, Johnny's like, remember when I used to hide behind the trees and scare you? And then he does the classic, Barbara, they're coming to get you, Barbara. And he's freaking out. There's one of them over there now. Yeah. And he points at somebody walking funny in a suit. Well, Johnny just walks on past the guy towards the car. And Barbara tries to walk by the guy and looks at him. The guy attacks her. So Johnny has to try and save his sister and his fucking head gets cracked on a tombstone. Yeah. And Barbara gets in the car and drives and wrecks it into a tree. Funny thing about that car. That was actually one of the producers 
like mom's car and they yeah. borrowed it to shoot the movie. They shot the cemetery scene at two different times in two different seasons. So it's like warm one time and cold the other. So they're trying not to show their breath. In between shooting, the car got hit in a wreck, dented the door. So they had her crash it into the tree. Okay. So the dent's already there when she hits the tree. So that's kind of neat. You know what? One thing there is, I think she just hops in and puts it in neutral yeah. and rolls it down the hill. Because later we've got, Johnny's got the keys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Actually, I'm glad you, you corrected me on that. And uh, interesting thing about Barbara, um, she was supposed to be like a tough, strong, heroic character. So George Romero wrote her. Really? And the actress came in doing the mousy thing and like just fucking like I'm broken down human being and scared. He liked it and he kept it. But that's why when Tom Savini did it, Barbara's a badass. Okay. That's because how she was originally written. Gotcha. And Ben, who is the other main character, was actually written as like a rough and gruff truck driver. And race wasn't written in there when he did it. Because you got to think this is 68. This is, uh, there's a lot of racial debate about some scenes in this movie. Yeah. And uh, Dwayne Jones that, that plays Ben was just the best man for the job. And he decided he was like a intellectual man and liked to talk and rationally think things out with George Amiro. And he's like, yeah, you can fucking act like that if you want to. You don't have to be a truck driver anymore. Yeah. But you have Barbara running from the zombies. She finds this farmhouse. She goes in the farmhouse. Uh, I know she goes out the front door because there's a, she finds a dead body upstairs, right? Yeah. I wonder why that body never animated. I don't know. That's a weird one because you're no. right. Then she goes in, there's the, the, like decomposing body because it's so dark it's hard to really see but there's right there is a dead body there and yeah it never never comes to the party it was a dummy that george amiro made and then the girl that plays the little girl yeah uh they used her for the scene when they moved the body because the dummy didn't look real when they're moving it oh okay but she tries to run out the porch and she sees truck headlights and in comes ben our next main character and he's running in he's like are you okay do we got food in this place let's board up the doors he just fucking comes in takes control you want this guy yeah in the zombie apocalypse right and in the remake, it's actually it's played by Tony Todd, yeah. which is a fucking perfect pick for it. But uh, he boards up the house, and she's just fucking crazy. She's not helping. She won't talk. She's frantic. He ends up beating the shit out of her. Not, like, beating her, beating her, but he backing in her and stuff like that, trying to, like, knock her some sense into her. Yeah, because she's regressing, you know, down to, you know, old-school brainstem stage <laughs> yeah. throughout the movie. And Dwayne Jones actually didn't want to do that scene because he's like, this is, people are going to cry, black man hitting a white woman. It's yeah. interesting. You know, this movie came out the day there. So while they're in their car, George Romero and the producer driving, trying to play the reel that they just edited in the theater. Yeah. They heard on the radio about Martin Luther King getting assassinated. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, this was like a very big oh, time yeah. for racial, racial tension, you know. But, you know, he's boarding up this house and he's trying to make it secure. And then some people come out of the basement. It's really choppy. They just kind of appear out of nowhere. It's yeah. because there was a scene in the basement with them hearing everything and stuff. Didn't make it in the movie because I don't remember why specifically, but now that's lost forever. Okay. Right? You see the Coopers come up. You might just see the husband. So you see Harry Cooper come up and you find out he's got a wife named Helen and a daughter named Karen. Yeah. Right? Cause him and the other dude are the ones that come out first. Right, right. And then Tom and Judy, which is a couple and they're down there and none of them own the house. Yeah. And Ben's making a big deal. Like, didn't he fucking hear me up here? I could have used help, blah, blah, blah. And Tom's like, yeah, we heard you. You know, we could have really helped him. He's got it really secure up here. And Harry's like, you could have been one of those things, you know, blah, blah, blah. One of those things. They flipped our car over. They bit my daughter, you know, and, and you can tell that he's just a fucking coward. Yep. And he's refusing to help. I always think about this anytime I'm watching a horror movie or like there's a chance something bad could happen. He's like, we could just hide out in the basement. And Ben's like, you don't want to go to the basement because if those things get in here, you have nowhere to fucking run. And exactly. I always think of that because of this movie. But there's a lot of debate about it. And they have a radio upstairs. And. Throughout the movie, you see radio and some TV news clips. Yeah. And basically, you find out that, like, um, was it a satellite or an asteroid? 
Um, I think it was a satellite. With radiation on it. Yes. Crashed, right? So they never specifically say the radiation reanimated the corpses, but it's safe to assume that's what did it. Yeah. They actually, there's a news clip in like DC and one scientist says they think that did it. And the other one's like, that's not what happened. And, you know, and like they're <laughs> arguing. So it's literally up for debate. Yeah. Amongst fans and in the film. But that's the gist of what you, you get finding out there. The, the court, they find out throughout the movie. First, they think it makes people crazy. And they yeah. figure out it's reanimating the dead. Then they find out that they're eating flesh. And then they find out that you can only kill them by destroying their brain. Yeah. Right? Once, once they find the TV upstairs and they're watching that, they, I think they find it upstairs. Because it's funny because they've got like the, not like a vigilante group, but you know, it's not the, not the it's police. It's actually led by the police. It's, no, it's led by the police. Okay. Yeah. But you've got everybody coming together. And then that's when he does the whole scene where he's doing the interview. And it's like, when we figure, and it's so matter of factly, like, yeah. you know. You got to take care of the brain. We're good to go. <laughs> he's in his suit with his hat on and he's got his fucking bandolier and shit. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of ridiculous, but that gave us our flesh eating and you got to destroy the brain tropes. Those didn't exist. That was like, cause like I said, a zombie was a mindless person controlled by an overlord yeah. before this. So that's where, the, well, that's why people say mindless zombie, you know, but you know, they find out that there's different like military and medical stations set up and they have a sick girl cause she got bit. Right. Yeah. They don't know about turning yet. Exactly. Um, and it's like, Walking dead, basically, they're all infected, right? And uh, so they're like, oh, there's a truck, and and Ben's like, I'm not really comfortable driving it, and it needs gas. And then Tom says, oh, there was a gas pump out back, and they find the keys, which I think the keys were a bigger deal in the remake. We're, we're talking about the original. Yeah. So they get the keys, and, and basically, Ben and Tom, and I think Judy wants to go with them, right? Yeah, she wants to, and then they tell her to stay. But then at the, no, she ends up in the truck. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought, sorry, I was mixing up names. Cause it's like after they've already gone outside and got yeah. in the truck, she comes bolting out, running into the truck like last second. Right. And they make it to the gas pump. Basically Ben's got like a table leg on fire. Cause they don't like fire. And they, they actually talk Cooper into helping. Yeah. Right. He goes upstairs and Molotov cocktails and he's chunking them down. Yeah. To, yeah. To scare he's, the he's the distraction. The yeah. And they, they get the truck and they make it to the gas pump. They can't get the padlock off. And then Ben aims the rifle that he found in the closet at the lock. And you think they're all going to blow up and die. And he somehow shoots the padlock off and doesn't blow them up and kill them. Yeah. But the problem with that scene is he takes that damn table leg torch and he lays it down on the ground oh, yeah. right under the fucking he, gas inlet. There, for there's two truck. problems here. Ben, who's been intelligent the entire movie, <laughs> fucking throws it down next to the gas pump. And then for some reason, I don't know about you, but when I pull the hose out of a gas thing, I don't pull the trigger and spray gasoline everywhere No, and, and go, oh, shit, and turn around and especially <laughs> look at a flame. But that's what happens. Yeah. They catch the truck on fire. Uh, Ben's like, get out of there. And Tom and Judy get blown up in the truck. Yeah. Ben makes a run back to the house and he has to make it. It's I, I need to stop talking about the remake. Tony Todd is that scene really badass, like rolling into the zombies and taking them out, trying oh, okay. to get in the house. But uh, then you see the zombies because the zombies just keep fucking massing on the Yeah, house, there's right? more and more. There's just a handful when they first get in the house. And like as the whole thing progresses, they're really starting to get surrounded. Right. Because at the beginning of the movie, I kind of glossed over it. But Ben actually goes out and kills quite a few of them. He's got a tire and he just bashes their head in and stabs them because he's yeah. like, oh, there's just a few. I'll take care of them. And they just keep coming. Yep. You see the zombies like eating the remains of Tom and Judy. They used actual butcher leftovers for some scenes. Right. Okay. Like, so there's actual like bones and actual guts. So when we get those shots where it's showing them just wandering around eating on pieces of people, that's yeah. the bones and everything. Okay. Sometimes it was leftover lunch from the table and covered in chocolate syrup. And they said it was disgusting. Like when uh, Karen's eating her dad at the end. By the way, there's spoilers in this motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Nah. Uh, when she's eating the dad, it's just like a ham. It's ham fucking covered in chocolate syrup. And she's just like fucking gnawing on it and stuff. I get you behind know, that. This is, uh, it's kind of that grassroots guerrilla filmmaking again. Yeah. 
But Ben makes it back to the house. Cooper and Ben get into a fight over the basement and whatnot again. Uh, ben beats wholesale ass. That's like to say, he ends up beating his ass. He beats Cooper's ass, and then they're watching the news and this, this, and that. And um, Cooper goes downstairs, and Helen stays talking to Ben and watching the news. No. She goes down there, and she finds her husband with his arm missing and the daughter munching on it because she's died and turned at this point. Yeah. She's really creepy looking. She's the face of the original poster, the movie case, T-shirt that I wore through hell after high school because I got it as a <laughs> high school graduation present. And then you get this really badass scene where she picks up a fucking trowel and stabs her mother to fucking death. Yep. It's actually a pretty graphic stabbing scene. Yeah, it is because she's she stabs like several times. And it's not just for the time. It's a pretty graphic stabbing scene, the way they do the cinematography, the sound you can hear. Yeah. And then there's just chocolate syrup getting slung over the room. <laughs> So the zombies start swarming the house at this point because the door's not barricaded as well because of the truck. And you get Barbara reunited with Johnny. She's been talking about the <laughs> the keys, but Johnny has the keys. And you get to see the cemetery zombie again. You can yeah. see Johnny as a zombie breaking in. And, of course, Barbara in her panicked state goes to her brother and just gets pulled out into the horde of zombies. Yeah, because she's done lost her mind at that point. And when she sees him, she's like, oh, Johnny, and just walks right out into all right, the zombies. Right, and she's gone. And Ben's trying to figure out where the fuck to go. And what's he do? He runs in the basement and he barricades it. Yep. Um, he's got the rifle with him. So he shoots and kills Karen. He, I think he shoots Cooper's body on the ground. And then he starts staring at Helen, just fucking just blood everywhere. And she starts twitching and moving. And he's like, fuck you. And he shoots her in the head. Yeah. And he just holds up in the basement. Uh, we cut to the next morning and we see the militia with the cop leading them, you know. And there's a reporter, and he's a really good job of being a reporter. He actually was a local reporter, and he ran the horror show. Like, oh. where they'd play the horror movies and stuff. Oh, okay. And they asked him to do it. He's like, I don't really want to do this shit. And he came out, and he <laughs> did it. And, you know, he's fucking immortalized forever. He's really funny on an interview, because that's probably the only thing he ever did besides his own local shit. Yeah. But they're going around, and they're just shooting him in the head. And they're like, oh, there's a farmhouse over here with a bunch of them. So they're shooting the zombies in the head, and like, throw them in the bonfire. You know? Yep. And Ben wakes up, and he hears the gunfire outside. And he's thinking he's safe walks out in the living room and then one of them goes, Oh, there's one and names down the sights and fires and fucking shoots Ben in the head and kills him. And the cops like, good job. Yeah. Good shot. Like, like, like that. There's another one for the fire. You know, the, the hero of the movie fucking got shot down and killed. And that was actually part due to Dwayne Jones, because I, it's really weird the way I, I read it. Some things acted like that wasn't the original ending. And then others were wording it like it was. And then George had a different ending he wanted to do because racial tension once again. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and Dwayne Jones is like, no, the fucking hero never dies in American movies. Yeah. You know, and he's like, I want to do it. <laughs> um, and it's pretty fucked up ending, honestly. Oh, it really is. And it's no, it's no big payoff. Yeah. It's just a big letdown. <laughs> right. And this movie came out in 68. I did not see it originally. I actually saw the Savini one first. Okay. But I mean, I saw the Savini one the year it came out. Like I, not in theaters. I was still younger. Cause I want to say it was like fucking 94 or something. No. I'm guessing, but it was in that era. And, uh, I got a VHS copy and I watched it and then went back and watched the original one. You made a joke in a previous episode about how there was a time when I lived in the woods and couldn't even get any TV channels. Right. Mid nineties on public broadcast is when I saw this movie. Yeah. Funny thing. It's actually the first DVD I ever bought in my life. Oh really? Yeah. Cause I got a DVD player for, I think it was a drive on my computer that I got for graduating high school. Okay. And I was like, Oh, I can watch movies. And I went to, oh, I don't remember what the fuck that store was in the mall, the music store and movie store. And I okay. went in there and I went in the, they didn't have a very big DVD section yet. And I was like, oh, it's not in the living dead. And I grabbed it. 
and the lady at the counter is making fun of me because I bought a black and white DVD. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, it was fucking. It's a great movie. It's a classic and spawned a lot of shit, man. Yeah, it did. It's uh, it does some interesting things, and the ending is is a great shock. Yeah, because it really is. It's it's a letdown, but at the same time. It kind of turns the thing on its ear, like these guys that are like, okay, we figured out, go find them, shoot them in the head, burn them. Are those your heroes? And this is just one of many guys that this situation's happening to as this epidemic is taking over right. the world. Well, that's the thing. They never even know they killed a human. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, like, it's, it's really interesting. You see a newspaper clip pop up of Ben's dead body at the end, right when the credits roll. Yeah. When and it, you think it's because it's going to say like injustice or blah, blah, blah. But in actuality, it, it's just showing like the way they survived the epidemic. Question, though, I, I want to know how this fits in the continuity when you get into Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Dude, I'm the wrong person to ask. Because the newspaper clips make it look like they think they beat it. Yeah. And then Return of the Living Dead isn't a sequel, but it references back to it a little bit. Yeah. Well, um, it's, well yeah, it's just radioactive material. Have you seen the Tom Savini remake? If I have, it's been so long that I don't remember. Um, the ending's different. And, I, you know, we might cover this on a remake, but just in case we don't, Ben does end up making it to the basement and he's shot by Cooper. So he's like wounded when he goes okay. down there and Barbara makes it out. Cause she's a badass in the movie yeah. and she ends up finding the militia and she, I don't remember exactly what she does with them, but like then she's walking up and on the, cause it's a bunch of farmland. They have like boxing rings set up or wrestling matches and rednecks are paying to like fight the zombies that are chained. They have them like okay. tied up on post and you can pay money this to shoot them in the a head. Lot like walking dead. Yeah. You can pay to shoot them in the head and stuff like that. And uh, she walks up to the farmhouse with the cops and they're like, oh, we, we hear somebody in the basement and they start cutting the basement door open and it's Ben and he's a zombie. Oh, okay. He got shot and they kill him. And then Cooper starts talking because Cooper made it. But I want to say she pulls a gun out and shoots Cooper in the head because he survived. And she's like, <laughs> another one for the fire. Okay. Yeah. So it's been a really long time, but I guess the daughter killing the family goes completely different if he's still alive. There. Yeah. But it's a fucking awesome movie, man. I love it. And I go back and I watch it. Not annually, but pretty often. No. What's interesting, one quick thing I want to bring up, comedy guy here. Um, that night that on public broadcast that I actually sat and saw the movie for the first time, right after it, they ran an eight-minute short okay. called Night of the Living Bread. <laughs> and it's not like animated bread or anything. It's literally just pieces of bread sitting around in the cemetery okay. and like being thrown out of frame. It's worth a watch. It's pretty funny. <laughs> when they get in the house to, and go to barricade the house, Okay, they're like throwing bread at, <laughs> at the windows and the Ben character is getting sandwich baggies and taping them together and that's what he's taping on the windows and doors. Is this on YouTube or anything? I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. It's, I'll check uh, it out. Just an interesting little side thing there. All right, so moving on to the next entry here in the Night of the series is going to be Night of the Comet, 1984, written and directed by Tom Eberhardt. And uh, I can't really think of anything else of notoriety that he did um, off the top of my head as far as the horror genre goes. No, this is a fucking awesome movie. Though. This is one <laughs> of we watched a lot in like the 90s, right? Yeah. Well, this one, I got to tell my story on it because it goes goes way back. My parents or my father actually had a habit of recording movies off of cable when I was super little, recording horror movies, and then later on getting on a religious kick and recording over them with Jimmy Swaggart. Okay. So we had tapes that were like reanimator. X crossed out Jimmy Swagger and uh, just a bunch of classic movies. Night of the Comet survived. Okay. So I saw this when I was real young and it's just stuck with me. And I guess with going back to Ginger Snaps, apparently I have a thing for the sister dynamic. <laughs> I um, mean, it's, it's a really well-made movie. Uh, like this entire episode is basically the 90s for me. Like these are things that I watched a lot in the 90s. Yeah. I don't remember how I saw this one. I just remember we had it on a VHS copy and I wore that son of a bitch out in the summer. <laughs> but, uh, Basically, what we have here is 
we've got a comet has passed Earth. Yep, and the Tailey's Comet. And that's, see, I went back and forth on that. I always thought it was, and I tried to double check that they actually say it, but I'm not positive. I always thought it, it, it is Haley's Comet. I watched it. I just watched it uh, night before last. They said Haley's Comet. Okay. I'm pretty sure. But the tail drags through the earth. Yeah. Those that are left outside get turned and those right. that stayed behind steel are left to survive and fight it out. Yep. And uh, so we get the opening narration about the comet coming by Earth, and it's been since the time of the dinosaurs, this hasn't happened. Right. And uh, they do, the narrator says something about it, and, and some scientists think this may not be a coincidence, and we get a quick flash of the quote-unquote base lab, right. whatever. And they're like going underground, right? Yeah. And uh, and it cuts to the the kind of opening credits montage with people already out in the streets like New Year's Eve getting ready for this uh, this party to watch the comet. Because it's going to be a light show like no other. Right. Well, we see we're introduced to Regina, who mm-hmm. I'm going to call Reggie for the rest of the damn thing, because that's what she's called the whole movie. Okay. She's kicking ass on a Tempest Cabaret. Right. <laughs> she's uh, she's trying to get the top 10 score on every single one of them. Right. But she this, had the top 10 score. Yeah. Yeah. She's got this one other initial in there, DMK. Right. right. Who's this asshole? And uh, that scene bothers me, by the way, or the later scene where she beats the score the next day because she just overwrites it. That's not how the shit works. It bumps you down to the next one. I know, right? You know, uh, Reggie, she was the last Starfighter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So she was, she was in that movie. She's fucking fantastic in that as well. Yeah. Now, I don't know what age she was at the time, but I don't buy her as being 18, but whatever. <laughs> um, but the manager is telling her to go do something. And uh, she goes up to, the, to uh, the projections booth. And as she's walking up, the manager is like, yeah, he's going to do to you what he's been doing to me. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Some shit like that. And um, she goes up in there and it's uh, Larry's the, the projectionist. Right. Some guy's supposed to be bringing a movie back to him. Like, Well, he says he'll give him a copy of a movie for money and he has to have it back the next day. So I'm assuming yeah. it's the one that's, that's currently playing. And he's just such a fucking idiot because he's like, $100, you trying to fuck me over here? Hundred ten, yeah, that's more like it. I know, right? <laughs> he's, like, okay. he's so damn douchey. But uh, Reggie's up there, and she makes a call home to her sister Samantha, who I'm going to refer to as Sam because that's mm-hmm. what they call her through the entire damn movie, right? And uh, when it first cuts to her, she's sitting at the party at stepmom's house. But on the news, they're talking about who's going to see the comet first, right? Geographically, and they're like, and all telecommunications seem to have been knocked out in that area. Yeah, yeah. And it's like. This is not going to be a good thing. Right. And uh, we meet stepmom Doris, who's mm-hmm. a complete bitch. Oh, yeah. And uh, Sam ends up making some snide remarks about how she's, uh, maybe I should just tell dad that I've been watching Chuck from across the street try to stick his hands down your pants. Yeah, she and, says uh, something It's the shit knocked out of well, her. The, we're, we're getting to it. She goes, you already have an asshole, Doris. You don't need Chuck. Yeah. And she slaps her. So Sam slaps her back, and the Doris just straight up decks her, <laughs> knocks her into the floor next to the TV. So uh, right after that, Doris goes outside and we see a shot of her looking up at the sky and there's yeah. all these flashes. Yeah, you just it's literally it's just like a strobe light going off. Yeah. There's no special effects here. You just see the people getting flashed on. So we cut to the next day and everybody, we're already seeing party goers clothing left behind yeah. and red dust, which they use brick dust. Yeah, they use brick dust in the whole movie. And uh, you quickly see, oh shit, everybody who's outside is dead. Right. One thing I want to I go back on real quick, and if you're about to say it, I'm sorry. Reggie and Larry, when they're, you know, have sex in the projection booth. Yeah. She says something about Superman could watch them have sex and she's uncomfortable. It's the dumbest foreshadowing line ever. Yeah. And Larry's like, no, he couldn't see because this uh, projection booth solid steel because that was the old fire code. And she goes, Superman can't see through lead. You idiot. He can see through steel fine. So it's terrible foreshadowing. Yeah. But you find out that they're in a steel room. Right. Exactly. It gives us that. So then we cut to. After seeing the outside everywhere, we got Reggie and Larry leaves to go pick up the film because he's pissed off. 
And, uh, yeah, he's cussing at the alley. He's like, yeah. the fucking jerk off and supposed she, to be already. And he had made a joke about giving her 15 bucks if she made it with him. Yeah. And she's like, what about my $15? And yeah. he goes, tell, tell him you're pissed <laughs> off too. <laughs> and uh, he goes outside and we get our first zombie. Yeah. I mean, that's what they are. They, are. they and, actually uh, call them zombies in this movie. Yeah. It's like the fucking only one I can think of that does that. And this one's got a big ass piper inch and bashes Larry with it. Yeah. Um, now, if you look, when we're first introduced to our first zombie, Around the eyes, they look really a lot like Michael Jackson zombie and thriller. Yep, yep. That's because it's one of the same makeup <laughs> artists that worked on that. Right, right. Um, David Miller. Okay, so Larry's gone because he just got killed. Right. Reggie, she's got to go back to the damn Tempest machine. You got to do it. You got to knock that score DMK's off. DMK's on there. She does the bullshit selective fucking removal of his initials like you were saying. Yeah. And uh, she goes outside. She accidentally locks herself out. She has a trash can propping the door open and it fucking yeah. slides out. And she goes around back to go to the back door. And she finds a bloody wrench and the keys to the Larry's motorcycle. Right. And uh, the same zombie jumps out, lunges after her. She hops on the bike. She bolts. She actually kind of like Kung Fu beats his ass for a second. Yeah, like, a little that, bit. I mean, that kind of leads in in a bit. But yeah, she like yeah. knees him in the nuts and throws him and then gets on the bike and takes the fuck off. So uh, she starts making her way home and she's like seeing that people are gone, like pulls up next to a car at a light. You know, she actually stops at the light and shit. She's the only one around <laughs> and there's like nobody in the cars and stuff. So by the time she gets home. She finds Sam. Sam's fine. I guess an interesting thing about Sam I should go ahead and throw in here now. Heather Langenkamp had actually auditioned for the role of Samantha. Right. And was turned down. The other side of this is this movie came out in 1984 right alongside uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Right alongside a lot of movies, actually. This movie did really good as far as return on investment goes, especially with what it went up against. And it's just, if you think about it, if Heather Langenkamp had gotten the role, then... Nightmare on Elm Street might not have turned out the, the same way. No. Nope. Another interesting thing about Sam, and what's the actress's name? Heather Marooney. Something I don't like that. fucking remember. Um, but uh, she was Joss Whedon's inspiration for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I hadn't got to that yet, but yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the movie version, and you can yes. see that. Yeah, yeah, with Chrissy Swanson. Speaking of which, Luke Perry died this week. Oh, fuck. He died from that stroke he had. Yeah, yep. and he was in the Buffy movie. He was fucking awesome in the movie. He was yep. one of the funnier parts. That was but. fucked up, man. News one day. He had a stroke. News next day. He's he was gone. Like 52, I think. Yeah, so I mean, he wasn't even that old. But uh, she finds Sam alive and well. Um, they say something about the cheer squad or some shit. And, she's uh, her full-on rebels cheerleading outfit, yeah. right? And she's got the radio going, and uh, somehow in the conversation, she says something about how she spent the night in a shed, like a, yeah. a garden shed or some shit. So she was protected by Steel 2. And uh, she's trying to explain to Sam that everybody's gone. Right. And she goes walking outside, and she, she's like, you want to see Chuck? Here's Chuck. Yeah, she's pouring shoe. the dust out of the well, shoe. I love it. Before they walk outside, Sam looks down, and there's a leash in the living room with some yeah. red dust. And she's like, where's Muffy? Yeah. <laughs> Muffy? But uh, she's standing out there and Sam's like, yeah, whatever, just chomping on her gum. She's like, it's Saturday morning. Where are the kids? That's my favorite line of that whole scene because she's trying to like make a big point of it. She's like, where's the goddamn kids? You know, and that's really what makes her look around and go, you know, you're right. Where are the fucking kids? Yeah. And so now Sam's scared of shit. And uh, so she's got the radio going and they hear the DJ come on. So cut to radio station. Like that sounds like another human voice. Let's go to the station. Right. Apparently, they've never heard of automation. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and they get there, and they realize that everything's automated. It's all fucking tape recorded. And uh, so as they're discovering this, Hector walks in. Yep. And uh, first, he pulls a gun on him, and he's like, let me see your eyes. Right. Like, okay, I had to make sure you weren't one of those things. Right. So this guy, you know, has already seen some shit. <laughs> and uh, he's talking about how he had was on his way to San Diego. He's a truck driver. He had picked up this chick. Right. And uh, they saw one of those things on the side of the road eating a cat. And uh, 
the girl freaked out and took off. Right. And then later he sees her again being torn apart. Yeah. She's like, where did you sleep last night? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like in the back of my truck. She's like, is it steel? And she's like, it must be that. The movie's actually really well done. All of it's very professional, but there's a couple of shoehorned in lines. Yeah. So they start talking and Sam starts playing on the radio and she gets on the mic and she's like, hey, if anybody wants to, or she's like, hey, out there, all you teenage comet zombies, right. if any of y'all want to talk, just call me on the hit line. And she gives out the phone number. And then right after that, it starts ringing and the little light starts flashing. Yeah. She answers it and it's the people, it's the scientists from the base. They don't really show much of the phone call. They show a little bit. And then Sam tells Hector and Reggie kind of the full thing. Right. That uh, this they've survived it underground. They're going to come out and look for survivors, yada, yada, yada. Stay away from the zombies. They're fucking dangerous. Yeah. Meanwhile, we've got, while she's on the phone, she tells it later, but while she's talking to them, we've got Hector and Reggie, and Reggie's making fun of Hector's revolver. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, 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 we need to go, Do you, I forget the name of the base. She's like, have you heard of this base? Like, that's where daddy used to take us shooting. We can go there and get real weapons. Um, I do want to point out, uh, Teenage Comet Zombies was the original title yes. of the movie. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know if you were going to say that. And uh, this is one of those few times that I, I kind of wish they would have stuck with the original name. because That's fucking awesome, yeah. man. But then we wouldn't have been able to do it in this episode. So Yeah. Well, one, we wouldn't be able to do it in the episode. And I think the, the, the reasoning behind it was that it sounded too too comedic. Yeah. Because it's, it's a fairly serious yeah, movie. Yeah, it is. I mean, there's not even really that many funny lines in there, even if they're throwaways. So we end up, Sam has the nightmare. Because yeah, yeah. the movie does a few weird jump cuts. It cuts to her that she's just driving like crazy, drinking beers. I think her legs hanging out the window and shit are maybe up on the dash. Police? Like she's shocked, you know, because yeah. there's shit many cops. Yeah, she gets pulled over and he's a fucking zombie cop and he busts the window and starts yanking her out of the car. I don't remember busting her. Anyways, he's yanking her out of the car and she wakes up. Yeah. So she goes in the bathroom and then we get this really erotic scene with who we've been told is a 16 year old girl. Just kind of weird <laughs> of her undressing. And then the same zombie motorcycle cop just shows up behind her in the bathroom and grabs her and picks her up. She wakes up for real this time. Right. I want to say the zombie makeup on the cop is fucking as a kid. It was scary to me because I mean, I saw this in the 90s. I was probably like 13 or so. Yeah. And uh, it was one of those things that stuck with me. And yes. it's a lot better than like the alley zombie at the beginning. Absolutely. Like, it's fucking it's pretty grotesque looking. As a kid, the bathroom scene was the one that always scared me. Right, right. We, we cut back and forth with Reggie and Hector talking and Hector's going to go back to San Diego to check on his family. And uh, she tells him that's when she tells him about the father doing this and he had now he's traveling the world right. this that and the other i want to say that while it's showing all them talking and while sam's having the nightmare it cuts to the scientist a couple times right it does because and the, the main takeaway from that is they're they're starting to figure out symptoms and yeah. the stages and there's one particular scientist lady that they're showing i forget where at in the movie it happens but she's writing this stuff down and she's trying to write loss of memory yeah and can't can't write memory. memory yeah she can't spell it but they're they're basically they're having a debate if it's worth sending a team out to get them yeah. to see if they could use them for like a vaccine or something, right? Yeah. Or a cure. Yeah. I don't think they've got to the last part of that yet though. Okay, okay. They are debating those go if it's even worth going out or yeah. not. Yeah. It's not like the grand plan that everybody's on. We get a really weird cut to all of a sudden Sam and Reggie have Mac 10s and they're shooting the shit out of a car. Yeah. So they went to the base. We never saw it, you know. Yeah. Which whatever. It's just a weird hard cut. And the whole dialogue there is improvised. Oh, was it? Um, yeah. Because it's the Mac 10. Some of the better lines in the yeah, movie. The Mac 10 jams. And she's like, daddy would have gotten us Uzis. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was this whole thing that they kept jamming every time they tried to do the scene. And the director told him, it's like, just say whatever you want to say. We need to get this done and go. Well, she says that. And then Reggie goes, the car didn't see the difference. Yes. Because <laughs> she, I mean, Sam fucked that car up. Yeah. 
Okay, so Sam is kind of pissed at Reggie that Reggie's been hanging out with Hector and is like, he's the last man on Earth and you're taking him now. You stole every man from me and now that there's only one left on Earth, you took him too. Yeah. Um, we cut to Hector. Of course, at his home, there's nobody there. He right. grabs some things. There's a zombie boy that busts down the door and chases him out of the house. That's pretty much He's, it. There. He has a funny line. I don't remember what it is. And the kid's like, we don't want any. And he's like locking the door or something. Yeah, you're right. I don't remember what he says. Um, But we cut back to the base again. And mm-hmm. that's when we're seeing the two kids get dropped off, the little girl and the little boy. Right. Um, Another quick cut back to Sam and Reggie. And now they're just sitting on a squad car. Yeah. Um, which is another weird one. And this is where they start having the talk and Sam's talking about how she was liking this guy at school and starts talking about her friend. And it all really starts to hit her that like all these people are dead. Right. Like, you know, this really sucks. And uh, (laughs) so Reggie's like, I know what will cheer you up. And we get the fucking straight up 80s Cindy Lauper fucking mall montage. Girls just want to have fun, right? Yes. Yeah, what she says is, uh, do you got your credit card on you? And she's like, no. And she's like, well, you don't need it. You know? Yep. <laughs> and they go to shop and three. And that is probably the most teenage thing they could have done. Yeah. Yeah. So they're doing the little montage. They're putting on stuff, trying on stuff. and uh, But they end up leaving the gun sitting down on the counter while they're mm-hmm. doing all this. Quickly, we see that somebody's watching them on the CCTV. Right. I think he comes over the PA first or they just show up. I don't know. But this this gang of, of mall dudes show up. They grab one of the two guns. Right. It was Samantha's gun. So now Reggie still has hers. And so this shootout ensues and you've got a shootout where Reggie's shooting and Samantha's just throwing fucking shoes. Yeah, Because yeah. they're pinned down at first and they're just trading shots and she sneaks upstairs and she yells some smart ass shit. Yeah. Well, she gets upstairs and she get throws a TV off the balcony. Yeah, it's a shitty shootout scene, though, it really yeah. is. And they grab her. Well, Reggie comes out of the elevator with one of their guys. Yeah. He's like, okay, how about a trade? And then the lead dude just blows the other guy's brains out. So we cut to them chained up on a pallet on a forklift. And uh, the lead dude, we get the reveal. He takes the sunglasses off, and you you see the sunken in eyes and everything. Right. And as let's play again. And the guy's voice creepy. Oh, no, no, fuck. yeah. He kind of, remember Max Headroom on MTV? Yes. That's what he reminds me of, looks and everything. Uh, he's like, let's play a game. It's called Scary Noises. Yeah. And he does the whole Russian roulette thing, and it clicks a few times. He's like, oh. There shouldn't have been one in, or there should have been one in there by now. I bet there's one in here now or some shit yeah. like that. Of course, right then, well, in the midst of this, we see the scientists land the helicopter over right. by where the squad car was. They decided to go get them. Yeah. And so the scientists come in and basically save the day. Um, now, what's weird is they pull Samantha aside. Mm-hmm. Samantha's had this rash. You've seen her scratch herself on her neck a few times in the movie. She mentioned the rash when she's having like the bummed out, like the guy at school that she likes seeing. She's like, I'm even getting my rash again or something. Yeah. So you can tell it's like from stressing out. And uh, that's what she's telling the lady. And uh, she's like, okay, well, take this. It's going to calm you down. And it's the same scientist lady that was having the symptoms because she was writing. And uh, so she gives her the injection. She gone as far as we know. And uh, the other scientist guy is, uh, I forget what he says to her. But they're having a disagreement, the two yeah. scientists. And finally, she's just like, fuck it, and shoots him. I think it's when he's talking about like, oh, that was it? Because he thinks she just killed Sam with an injection, right? And yeah. she's like, what, did you want me to just bash her fucking brains in? Yes. So then we end up cutting to Santa Hector. <laughs> he's made his way back. He's he's brought some gifts, and he's in his Santa suit. And he's back at the radio station, because that's right. where he thought the girls were. And uh, that's where he finds the scientist. Yeah. And she's sitting there on the couch, and she's got the same kit out that she used to shoot up Sam. Right. He's looking through some notes right there on the counter and he's reading. And then we get the whole spiel Yeah, that 
some moron left the vents open at the base. Yeah. So it got in. In 36 hours, everybody's fucked. Yeah. And she shoots herself up. She's gone. Yeah. What you get, there were different stages. If you're directly exposed, you turned into brick dust. Yeah. If you were lightly exposed, you turned in one of the sunken eye things. Because if you think about it, the alley guy at the beginning wasn't like a full zombie. He talked. He said something to, mm, to Reggie in the alley. I think he just growls. He, no, he like mumbles like a shitty, like, oh, I'm going to get you or something. But like, it, it's kind of like he's the, uh, like the mall guards, right? Like they're, you're kind of like deranged and crazy. Yeah. And then you got full on zombie kid, right? Like. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Just yells. And uh, so since they left the air on, they were in that lightly exposed category. And you you get this idea that they weren't, it's not like they're a big pharma or a medical company. It, it no. seems like they were a collective that was supposed to survive. Yeah. Right. Like an end of time experience. Yeah, just in case. And uh, yeah, they, they screwed the pooch on that one. So uh, we cut to the base. Yep. And Reggie's getting interviewed by one of the scientists. His name's Carter. I just remember that one because they actually say it a few times. Okay. She sees the kids because like somebody else brings the kid, the doors open to the right. room and she sees the kids and they go walking by. So during the interview, we get a cutaway to these two lady scientists that are drawing blood from two other people. And they start talking about how, do you really think we're going to get enough blood from those two kids? Yeah. And uh, it's like, I don't know, but her over there, you know, we'll definitely get enough from her. And between that and the notes that Hector was reading, we know that they're drawing blood to try to make some kind of a serum. Right. And uh, so Carter gets called out of the room when he's doing the interview with Reggie. And as he's coming out, he says something about Sam being dead and that it was painless. Yeah, yeah. So there's an exchange in the hallway and a different scientist comes in. Well, by now, Reggie has gotten a keyboard from the computer over in the corner and bashes his head in and she gets out. Right. Then we see Hector at the main gate of the base. And he's got a fucking cowboy hat on and this whole get up on. He's acting yeah. really, really weird. And I guess he's just trying to be so out of left field to get the guard to let his guard yeah, down. Yeah. And, uh, and he opens up the trunk and there's Sam. And uh, he's like, you want this girl or something? And he's like, she's unconscious. Like, that's how I like them. <laughs> Some shit like it's that. It's pretty funny. He had a clever cover story because they're like, he's like, how did you find out about this place? And he's like, oh, some doctor lady back in blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, kind of like she sent him there because he's survivor. And he's like, I got her in the truck. Yeah. And he's like, she's passed out or she's dead. Whatever. It gives Hector a reason to say, oh, no, she's just shot up with sodium pentothal to make her look like she's dead. Yeah. And then Sam comes back up and I don't know what they do to the guard. I, we may even get another quick cut. I don't know. Yeah. But Sam's alive. Yay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut back inside and Reggie's being captured again <laughs> while Hector is outside putting dynamite up under one of the cars at the base. Right. I guess they got that at their base too. I don't know. They just they have so many things they need out of nowhere. I yeah, I don't even want to know how many fucking clips they had. <laughs> but Reggie ends up in the room where the two kids were going to be getting prepped, right? And takes them away from those two girls and straps them to the table and puts laughing gas on them. Yeah, and it's then that Sam walks back in, and it's like, oh yeah, you're alive. And then I think we get another quick cut. It, it's really weird. This how, movie has a lot of cuts. Yeah. I don't know why. A lot of hard cuts. So they go running out of the base. They hop in Hector's car. They're driving away and Hector stops mm -hmm. and he turns around and he's like taunting the guards and they tell the girl to cover her eyes and she, he flips them off. Yeah. Well, while this is going on, Carter, the scientist and the other scientist dude are in the Jeep and Carter's in the passenger seat and the other scientist dude is behind the wheel. <laughs> this is a funny cause word for word, I had to double check this. Right. You'll know why I say this this way. He goes, is that gasoline I smell? Yeah. Yeah. And Carter reveals his glasses. He's fully turned at this point, reaches over, grabs the keys, turns the ignition, fucking vehicle explodes. <laughs> at the same time, we get another 
I think it's another zombie scientist. No, or is it just a regular scientist? Yeah, who knows? It doesn't fucking matter. Grabs, They're all turning into zombies anyways. Yeah, grabs the girl out of the car. Uh, Reggie throws the pistol at Hector. Hector shoots that guard. They escape. So we cut to the next morning, or it rains. Mm-hmm. We cut to the, the rains washing away all the signs that this shit happened. They're doing this weird thing, like family Easter fucking looking pictures. Yeah, they're taking pictures yeah. and stuff. They're all the dressed side, up yeah. nice. On the side of the street. Hector's throwing away the fucking machine guns, which I have can't understand I'm why. assuming they're out of ammo, is what I was thinking. Fuck that. I would still have them. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're like, we'll just go to another base and take their guns. Eh, maybe. <laughs> and Samantha comes to walk across the street, and Regina's <laughs> giving her shit about, don't go, you don't cross against the light. Right. She's like, we're the only people left on earth. What does it matter? And she goes walking out in the middle of the street, and this car comes flying around the corner, <laughs> and flies by, nearly hits her. He pulls back around and pulls up to her and is like, wow, I'm real sorry, but you shouldn't cross across against the light like that. Yeah. And uh, she's like, nice car. And uh, he goes, thanks. I have 23 of them. Right. Um, you want to go for a ride? And she's like, sure. And she hops in and Regina and Hector are like, this isn't cool. It's like, Hector's like, hey, we don't even know that guy. Has he got a name? <laughs> and uh, Samantha's like, uh, do you got a name? And he goes, yeah, Danny Mason Keener. And she hollers back, you know, his name's Danny Mason Keener. The car pulls off. And as it pulls off, we see that the tag is DMK. Right, right. So this is the DMK from Tempest that Reggie's been trying to fucking clear off the game. But they put a little bow on it that, you know, Hector's going to be with Reggie and, you know, DMK is going to be with Sam. Definitely a bow. Like too uh, tight, too pretty of a bow. Yeah, like there's, you know, no no chance of a sequel or anything. Although I do think a remake has been talked about. Well, what's interesting was supposed to be a sequel and a TV show. Really? It was that popular. They don't know who owns the rights. Oh, it's one of but those. But I mean, I mean, like in the 80s, there was supposed to be a sequel in a TV show. Okay. Like they wanted to make a sequel and and they had rights issues. So I'm like, we'll make a show. And it, if you think about it, it probably would have been a pretty good weekly show, depending yeah. on what happened. I yeah, mean, I could definitely see it as a show. We've seen that happen as shows. A couple of interesting things. So the movie was made for 700K. Yep. And it has something to do with the Valley Girl team. And they basically had 700K they had to spend on something. Okay. Or the studio because of Valley Girl. Okay. I don't remember if it was taxes or what. And that's the only reason why he got to make this movie. Well, that explains why there's a Valley Girl poster in the movie theater in the mm-hmm. opening scene. And then I think the Valley Girl soundtrack is one of the records that Sam throws over her shoulder when she's yeah. at the radio station. Yeah. So like it was basically they had to get rid of $700,000. Okay. So that was where the budget of this movie like appeared from. Heather Maroney that played Sam was in Chopping Mall. Right. Oh, yeah. And uh, the mall they're in is the Sherman Oaks Galleria. So that's the mall from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Commando, Valley Girl, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Chopping Mall. <laughs> so I mean, that, that mall's been around the block a couple times. Yeah, um, they shot a lot of shit there. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of that movie. Watched it a lot in my teenage years in the 90s. Yeah. This is honestly, going back and watching the four movies for this episode was just a fucking blast because it was literally... Even last week, if we throw Peter Jackson in there, yeah. like it was my 90s, you know, once <laughs> all those movies. I got you. All right, our next movie, 1986, Night of the Creeps. I fucking love this one. I've seen it so much. I used to just make Josh watch this one all the fucking time when we were younger. Um, <laughs> it's got a bit of everything in it. It really does. Yeah, it does. It's it's so slapsticky that uh, I'm, I'm surprised you like it that much because it really turns that corner. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's made by Fred Decker. And Fred Decker is the writer and director of the movie. And he also wrote and directed Monster Squad, which is like my favorite kids horror movie. Okay. This movie has fucking one liners in just like barrels. They're so great. Most of them are from Tom Atkins. Yeah. But uh, 
Um, but I mean, you got to think this is the writer director that's uh, Wolfman doesn't have nards. Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> you know, like we're, we're dealing with this guy here. So we're going to have some fucking awesome one liners. Tom Atkins. I mean, you've seen him in the fog. Escape from New York. Halloween three maniac cop. He's in the My Bloody Valentine remake. Yep. Like, like he's in fucking so many horror movies or, or genre flicks. And really, he's the the best part of the movie. Like all the last names of characters in the movie, like this whole thing is just like a throwback because yeah. you have like your 50s drive in sci-fi horror. You got your zombie movie. You got your fucking axe murder, like all thrown in there. Yep. And then like the characters names. Let's just go through some of these. We got Chris Romero, George Romero, right? Yeah. We got uh, James Carpenter Hooper is one of the characters. <laughs> uh, JC, right? So that's John Carpenter and Toby Hooper. We got David Cronenberg is referenced by Cynthia Cronenberg. There's Detective Ray, which is Tom Atkins. It's Ray Cameron, though. Okay. All right, so it says James Cameron. We got Detective Landis for John Landis. Sergeant Raimi. Yeah. I wonder who that's from, no right? Shit, right? Uh, and Mr. Minor, the janitor. Screaming like banshees. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, you know, Steve Minor from Friday the 13th. And uh, this movie takes place at Corman University for Roger Corman. So this is one of those movies made by a fan. Yeah. And he fucking went all in. Uh, Robert Kurtzman and Howard Berger did the special effects. So we got a and b tie-in. Okay. And then some of the zombie extras were actually Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger. Okay. Like, so like fucking and everything goes back to these guys, right? Yeah. This movie, we, we wouldn't have Slither if it wasn't for this movie. I know. And for I've seen several things where James Gunn is like, oh, no, I, I never saw Night of the Creeps. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I fucking love James Gunn movies, but he is full of shit if he said that. <laughs> I'd have to see that, but he's full of shit if he, he said that. He's full of shit. The movie, though, it opens up 1959. Oh. You got a spaceship. You got these fucking naked, weird-looking aliens running around. I'm waiting on one of them to go, station, when they're showing the butts and shit. Well, the butts, yes, but in the face, they remind me of the, uh, the Freddy Krueger fetus from... Oh. Yeah, from Dreamchild. Okay, so I was I was like, what do these look like? Here's the funny thing about this movie. I know there's alien slugs in this movie. However, I watch this movie once every few years, and as soon as I see the spaceship and these guys, I'm like, where the fuck did this come from? I don't know why. But one of these naked alien things is running with a capsule, and two others are chasing him down, shooting him, and he ejects the capsule, okay? We see Johnny and Pam, and they just look like your 50s like college couple, and they're at the makeout point, right? And Officer... Cameron walks up, right? <laughs> and uh, you can tell that he knows Pam and he's upset. Yeah. And he's like, there's an axe murder out. You might want to get the fuck out of here, right? And he leaves. And of course, like, do you know that guy? And she's like, from my past. And they see a fallen star, right? Yeah. So they get the great idea, just like the blob. Let's go chase down this fallen star. They go and they park where they think it fell. And Johnny's in the woods and he finds it. And like I said, it looks just like the scene from the blob. Only an alien slug jumps out and goes into his mouth. Right. Yep. Got a lot of reverse shots. Oh, yeah. In this movie. Meanwhile, Pam's listening to the radio and they're talking about how the axe murder is just out on the outskirts of Corbin University. She turns the headlights on and uh, she can see that's where she's at. And he's behind her with an axe and he just starts a fucking swinging. Right. Yep. And uh, you, you've got an axe kill at a fucking alien slug and all sorts of shit. And we're like five minutes into the movie. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. If that. <laughs> Title card pops up, Pledge Week, 1986. This movie's just fun. Like, it's just, I love this fucking movie. It is. We're introduced to Chris and JC. Uh, Chris was fucking, um, was it Rusty? Rudy, where the fuck from uh, European Vacation? Rusty. Rusty, yeah, yeah, So fucking, I, I, I can't unsee that. Yeah. And uh, they're at some sort of pledge party. And you can see it's like Fraternity Row or whatever. And there's fucking toilet paper everywhere. And everybody's just drinking. College did not look like that when I went. And and uh, Chris's eyeball on fucking Cynthia, like just awkwardly staring. 
JC just fucking yelling some obnoxious shit out. It's fantastic. And they go inside and uh, then there's the fucking unibrow guy, right? Talking to yeah. Cynthia. And JC walks over and like tricks the guy and oh, you got a phone call, buddy. Yeah. And fucking Chris does nothing. He won't talk to Cynthia. So JC gets a little pissed about that. Then we get introduced to like the main frat, the betas, right? Yep. And uh, the Bradster, the fucking <laughs> douchebag of the movie. Yes. And uh, of course, it's Cynthia's boyfriend. Yep. Not unibrow guy, but fucking the Bradster. Yeah, this guy's way prettier than unibrow guy. And uh, JC's like, you didn't talk to the girl. And he's like, I, I just need to be in a frat, you know, and, and maybe girls will talk to me. And of course, Chris and JC show up in front of Brad because apparently the betas are the only frat on campus. And they want to get in. And he's like, I don't know if you guys are uh, beta material. <laughs> and uh, he gives them a prank to do, yep. right? I don't think they really say what the prank is, but you you kind of are led to that yeah. as you see them in some crazy fucking science facility on campus. And uh, there's a guy that can't remember the last digit of his code. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> Isn't he like making a phone call, asking somebody yeah, to so look he, at it? Well, they don't have cell somewhere? phones, right? So he has to run like back to the desk. And that's when JC and Chris roll up and they're like, oh, we can't even get in. The door's locked. Then JC randomly at zero. Fucking door opens. Yeah. And what do we see is uh, Johnny's cryogenically frozen body. So apparently they've been doing experiments on him. Yep. Of course, JC flips all the switches. That's always a good idea. And they defrost him. <laughs> and then he moves and scares him. And they take off running past the janitor, Mr. Minor, you know, running, screaming like banshees. And the the lab guy makes it back into the room and he realizes the door's open and you get the fucking slug jumps out into the lab guy's mouth. Right. Yeah. Um, then we, we get to see Tom Atkins. We get to see Detective Ray Cameron passed out drunk and his phone rings. This is probably one of the nine. Thrill me. Like he says, <laughs> it's the it whole constantly. fucking movie. It's awesome. <laughs> and he's having a nightmare about an ex murderer killing Pam. All right. And, uh, and he gets the call. He definitely says throw me there. Yeah. And he shows up and uh, the, he's talking about two corpses. And they're like, well, two of the guys went to the can and now there's only one corpse here. And he's like, you know, you called me out here for two and I'm only seeing one. And he gets mad. And this is an awesome line, and it gets reused in Monster Squad. He says, corpses that have been dead for 27 years do not get up and go for a walk by themselves. Oh. And in Monster Squad, when the, the kid's dad, the main kid's dad shows up, he's a cop, and the mummy's missing. Yeah. He's like, corpses that have been dead for 2,000 years do not get up and go walking by themselves. It's the same line other than the year. <laughs> so he must have really liked that one. We get some jump cuts like between the frats and the sororities, and we can see at the sorority house that one of the girls is asking Cynthia, if they can store their science project in the basement. Yeah. Like, what is it? Brains, you know, and it's, I don't know why you just have jars of brains, Mason jars, you know, yeah. and uh, they go and store them in the basement. Cause that can't possibly go wrong. Um, <laughs> and while Cynthia's changing and we get, you know, some gratuitous nudity thrown in there, right? Yeah. A little booby shot. Johnny climbs up on the window of the rose naked. Cause you saw him, it does cut to show him walking uh, like as a corpse, like a zombie down the street right before this, just like the mummy in monster squad. Yeah. But he climbs up to the window and falls and his head pops and you see the slugs come out, right? Nope. Some of them go in the basement. Some of them run off into campus. So we've now got these fucking alien slugs on the loose, which we all knew was coming, right? <laughs> when Ray gets there with his partner, he's like, oh, what's that over there? And they're like, oh, it's the house mother's house. He's real interested in that. Oh, and he yeah. sees the busted head of Johnny. And uh, he's like, do you think he's back? And, and his partner's like, you know, no, no, no. That guy got away years ago, right? 30 years ago because it's been that long. Yeah. And then you cut to the next day and Brad shows up to Chris and JC pissed because he thinks they pranked him. Right. Yeah. He's like, you're supposed to prank the blah, blah, blah frat, not the girl sorority. And they're like, we didn't do it. We we're sissies, you know, and ran off. And Brad like shows his true colors and trips JC because JC got crutches. Right. Like the whole movie. Like, yeah. You, you know, 
of course, Cynthia sees that and she's now comes over to Chris and leaves with Chris and, and JC, right? So like they're all buddy, buddy now. That's how we got them together. Yeah. The guys end up getting arrested by Ray's partner, right? Yeah. And they just tell the truth when they're getting interrogated, you know? Yeah. They like, were trying to steal the body, but they got scared and ran off. Yeah. And, and left it there. And, and Mr. Miner's there and he's the Asian janitor. They're quoting like the running off screaming like banshees. And he's just laughing the whole time, <laughs> yeah. screaming like banshees. And he does it like three times in the interrogation scene. I fucking love that part. Yeah. It is so terrible. And it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> and then we ended up back at the morgue. Right. I don't, I don't think there's much that happens past the interrogation. Mm-mm. Of course, Mr. Miner's mopping the floor and laughing, saying screaming like yeah. banshees still. <laughs> and the uh, dead lab guy was getting an autopsy performed on him. Not at the coroner's office, but apparently in this medical lab. No. And he sets up and um, he walks into the janitor and you, you hear like the slugs transfer. Yeah. Right? And a body hit the ground because apparently they'll, it seems like they incubate in the brain because they're brain eating slug zombies. Right. And then they bust it out of the head and just go into a new host. Right. Yeah. There's lots of cutting in the sorority houses and shit. I don't want to miss anything, but uh, I guess the zombie cat. That's yeah. That's, like, yeah, that's the one that's you got to bring up. Because one of the girls has a cat and it ends up missing and it shows up and she sees it and it. I mean, it looks like a zombie, right? Yeah. You don't know if anybody else saw it besides that one girl. Yeah. We cut to uh, Ray drinking. This happens quite a bit in the movie. He's a bit of a drinker. Yeah. And he's looking at crime photos. Looks like from Pam's murder and yearbooks. Yep. He gets a call to go to the new crime scene. Thrill me. And uh, <laughs> and he goes there. And of course, you know, probably a body. Oh, I guess they don't know the janitor's missing. They just find the body. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, the, the lab guy. Cynthia goes to see Chris and JC and they go for a walk. And she's talking about how the sorority buried the cat. Because you hear the other sorority sisters in another scene say, should we tell her? And they're like, no, yeah. she's heartbroken. And she's like, I know that cat was dead. We buried it. And they're like, well, how do you know your friend's not crazy? Yep. So Cynthia starts crying on Chris's shoulder. And he's like fist pumping in the air to JC. Yeah. Right. And Chris does the signal for get the fuck out of here. And JC's like, I got to go to the can, you know. And he goes to the bathroom to go drop a deuce. And he's got his matches out, you know. He's, yeah. he's ready to take care of business there. But they decide to leave and walk because he's like, I have a feeling JC's not coming back. And she's, you know, saying, I know they were zombies. Just like in the movie Night of the Living Dead, had a zombie cat. And there was a zombie body and its head exploded and blah, blah, blah. And then you see Ray step in, like, uh, out of frame. Like, yeah. he's behind him and he's following him, right? We see the screaming like Banshee's janitor. Come walk, and he's a zombie now, clearly, no. into the bathroom. And then it cuts to JC in the stall, right? And he heard the door open, and then you just hear, like, the sound of the slugs falling, and then a body hit the ground. Yep. Right? So you know his head's done pops. And uh, he tries to look under, and when the slugs run by, he's like, oh, fuck, what was that? Yeah. And they did a really good job of those fucking slugs running around. I don't know they did them, but they look creepy as shit. Yeah, in the movie, all the shots with them, like, s- scattering back and forth and everything, they all look great. Right. And uh, he drops the matches and he, he picks them up and he lights the matches. I don't know why he randomly tries this and he just sticks it under. One of the slugs runs in and it screams and falls over and starts dissolving like when you pour salt on yeah. a slug, right? So he figured out that uh, that kills him and uh, he tries to fix his pants and uh, one of them runs up his pants leg and scares him. He tries to stand up. Of course, he's crippled and he can't. He falls yeah. over and you get to see the wall and it says, go monster squad, go on the wall in the bathroom. <laughs> so, you know, does a lead into his next movie. but. One of the slugs is like barreling towards his face and he screams and you know it jumped into his mouth, right? There's yeah. no way he made it. Now, one thing I have to say about that, if I was that dude on the toilet and this was going on and that thing went up my pants leg, I would be ripping, I'd be laying on the toilet and ripping my pants off and trying to cover my privates as fast as possible. I mean, he doesn't know what it's going to do, so I can't say I'd cover my butthole because right. I'd be scared that's where it's going. But still, if something's coming up my pants legs, I'm not <laughs> running, all right? Especially if you can't run. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
but you know, so we, we assume JC's out now and we cut to Cynthia being dropped off at the sorority house by Chris and she asks him out to the dance. Right. Yeah. So it seems like he's made it. He's, he's beat life. And then he walks into detective Cameron, right. <laughs> when he's leaving the house <laughs> and, uh, first thing Ray says, cause everything's nothing but one liners on this company. He's like zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies. This is classic spanky. Oh yeah. Cause he kept calling them spanky, spanky. and alpha alpha yeah. yep, from the little rascals. And uh, they're having drinks together for some reason, you know. Yeah. I, I think Ray just likes to drink. <laughs> well, that part, yeah. But the story he's fixing to tell him is like, why are you randomly telling this I know. This? He, he asked him if you ever had a high school sweetheart. And uh, he's like, yeah, and she dumped me. And then he's like, well, mine got killed by an axe murder, <laughs> you know. And uh, on my off hours, I tracked that son of a bitch down. And he's like, you did it alone? He's like, not alone. I had my shotgun with me. Yeah. <laughs> He's fucking awesome. But he says he leveled the shotgun, shot him in the chest, and fucking buried him. And now the house mother's house is built on top of it. Yep. Right? That, that's not foreshadowing. Then we cut to the house mother in the house, and she's watching TV, and you start hearing this chopping sound, right? And the fucking axe comes from the floor, and this zombie looked fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's the axe murderer zombie. And of course, he fucking, let me ask you a question. Bam! <laughs> and fucking gets the uh, the den mother in the face and kills her. Yep. Who, you know, who gets called out again. Ray, right? Thrill me. You know, uh, <laughs> he gets the call, goes to the scene, and two cops are patrolling and they find the zombie and they think they pinned it. As soon as he hears on the radio, he's like, get my 12 gauge now. Yep. And of course, he takes off running and well, hops over the fence. Something I got to point out is when we're seeing all these shots of him coming to the scenes, the other cops are in for the time modern squad cars, but he's still in his old school squad car from obviously another time period. Oh, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. But they, they corner the axe murderer, the axe zombie, turns around. He realizes it's a zombie and they unload on him. And he's just kind of like, yeah, like rocking back and forth. <laughs> And uh, fucking Ray just empties the 12 gauge into his head and yep. slugs go flying out. Right. I was kind of hoping he'd kill the slugs there, but it just didn't happen. But the police saw it. So it's like there's more people that know about it now. Yeah. Um, then we just get a montage, like your classic 80s montage. The frat guys and the sorority girls getting ready for this formal or this dance. One of my favorite horror movie quotes of all times coming up. But then we get to the depressing scene. Chris is in his tux. He's all excited. You know, it's his moment of victory. And there's a tape recorder on the desk. Your tuxedo has been loaded with explosives. Um, <laughs> but he, he hits play on the tape recorder and it's JC and his voice sounds weird. Like he's talking weird. Uh, kind of like how Josh just did. And um, <laughs> he says, one of them got me. It got into my mouth. Right. And uh, he says he doesn't have a pulse and that he could walk on his own without crutches and that fire kills the slugs. Yep. And he's like, I'll kill him. Good luck with Cynthia. I love you, brother. And then you hear like the squealing and growling. Which is weird because he's the only zombie that could talk. Yeah. Right. Like, in, like he knew enough to tell his friend what was going on. Chris immediately runs to the boiler room and he finds JC's dead body next to the boiler. And there's like cooked slugs all over the ground. Right. Yeah. So JC took himself out. The frat guys are loading up on the bus. They're wondering where Brad's at. And you show him getting hammered in front of the sorority house. Right. With some booze. Yeah. He sees a slug run by in the bush. He's like, what the fuck was that? And he looks <laughs> and a dog walks up and he's like, did you see that doggy? And it's a zombie dog. Yeah. And he gets slugged right there, doesn't he? I think so. Yeah. And then uh, you cut to the frat bus and the bus is leaving and they're driving. The, the dog steps out in front of the fucking uh, bus and the dude swerves and flips it yeah. and they all die. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why did he just hit the damn dog? I don't know. <laughs> I and love dogs, but still, that was a very aggressive move. A lot of these next scenes are hard cuts, but the dog walks into the bus and drops slugs and yeah. the fucking frat guys start crawling on the zombies at some point. Okay, yeah, now they're going to be the worst frat guys ever. Um. 
we get a cut to Ray and he's drunk at his apartment. That's his MO, right? Playing with the Zippo. And uh, Chris shows up and you can see there's duct tape on the door frame, oh, yeah. right? He walks in and he says, the gut alfalfa, you know, he lets him know that they lay eggs in your brain, the eggs incubate, and you walk around as a zombie. Ray gets his best girl, you know, his fucking 12 gauge ready to go. And you see him when he grabs the gun, he closes his open stove and turns the gas off. Oh, yeah. So he was, he was about to kill himself because yeah. he's like, all bummed, you know, he killed, he avenged Pam. Yeah. And he can die now. Right. Cause you know, he's like, oh, I murdered a guy. Um, <laughs> and then they go and it's a really funny scene. It's the neighbor from Gremlins, I think. Right. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they go there and he's like, Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to need a flamethrower. Yeah. And then they just start laughing. It's so funny. And, uh, and he's like, I'm going to just need that, that form. And he pulls a gun on him. Right. And they take the flamethrower. Apparently Chris is already like an expert on the son of a bitch. But um, I'm talking about this movie so much. I fucking love it, though. I, I don't need to tell the whole movie to everybody. Basically, they go to the sorority house, and this is one of the best lines of the movie. The zombies are piling in on the yard, and he's like, good news, girls. Your dates are here. Bad news. They're, They're dead. Because Cynthia came out because Brad showed up, and she's talking to him and dumps him, doesn't even realize he's a zombie. Yep. And that's when Chris shows up and flamethrowers him. But basically, Brad's shooting him, and Cynthia's flamethrowing him, and they're yep. taking out the zombies. And Ray makes it into the house and he's holding them off on the zombies uh, for a while. And then he gets overwhelmed. You got that crazy spit. He sees that he's about to die because one of the girls turns randomly is the cat girl. Yeah. So I guess she got infected earlier and never said anything. She turns and attacks him. He sees he sees Pam's picture on the sorority wall. And then you get that crazy scene where the camera spin around and he's screaming. He's just firing shots off. Yeah. And they've killed most of the zombies between inside and outside at this point. Chris and Cynthia get overwhelmed and they run into this fucking shed. And it's like the crisscross wood shit. That you know, attached to the house that you would do Ivy and Roses, right? Yeah. I can never remember what the shit's called. And they kill one zombie. Lattice work. Lattice work. And Cynthia gets <laughs> yanked out, and then he looks just like fucking Kiwi Ash. Like this has to be where Peter Jackson got inspiration. Cranks the lawnmower, same cinematography at all. And he goes, Later, dude. And he fucking kills the zombie, right? Because <laughs> this movie, I don't know what the fuck they're doing with the lines. But uh, we see some slugs running to the basement, and he's like, What's down there? And Cynthia goes, Just brains, right? And then he's like, oh, fuck. So they run in the house, and he's clearing the house out. Yeah. So Chris gets all the girls out of the house, and they run into the basement, and you find Ray, and he's got duct tape over his mouth, so he can't jump in his mouth, yeah. right? And they point to the corner, and this is the only bad special effects in the movie is the CGI in this corner. But there's like yeah. thousands of slugs in a mound in there. But Ray takes the duct tape off his mouth, and he starts talking, and he, he's telling the kids to get out of there, and he's like, what about you? And he's like, 20. 19. 19 and he starts pouring gasoline everywhere and pulls out a zippo and he just keeps counting down and he like winks and smiles at Chris. Chris and Cynthia run out of the house down the sidewalk to the other surrogate girls, but it's really cool because Chris is actually counting down the whole, the time, whole time, right? Yeah. Like so they know. And for some reason, just like a corner of the house explodes. But they blow up the sorority house, presumably killing all the zombie slugs. So you think. Uh-huh. I kind of wish they wouldn't have done this. This is partly an alternate ending. This wasn't the original ending. Okay. I didn't originally have Ray walking, but it cuts to burnt Ray okay. walking as a zombie smoking and he falls over and slugs come out of his head. And then they run into a very cheesily made cemetery. Yeah. And then the alien spaceship pops in with the spotlight and starts chasing down looking for the slug. So presumably the entire graveyard's going to get back up at this point. Nope. Yep. It's a fucking awesome movie. <laughs> I, I, I probably talked about it way too much. Like I normally just go over great scenes and I just kind of went play by play, but it's just, it's a fucking fun ride. Yeah. Anybody like we say about a lot of stuff, if you haven't seen it, go see it. 
more importantly, if you've seen Slither oh, and yeah. haven't seen this, go watch this because there's no way we would have Slither without Night of the Creeps. Right. And like I said, you got you got fucking aliens. You got zombies. You got brain eating slugs. You got a fucking axe murder. This movie's got it all, guys. You got to yeah. check it out. It is bonkers. It is nearly killer clowns from outer space bonkers. <laughs> all right. So in 1988, we got Night of the Demons <laughs> and uh, wasn't called Night of the Demons until after the movie was made. It was Halloween Party. Nope. And uh, even in the opening animated uh, title sequence, it said Halloween Party, and they literally plastered over a new graphic that said Night of the Demons. Right, but uh, Mustafa Kat said fuck no to that one, right? Yes, he did. <laughs> Just straight up called it. I do want to say, I'm glad you mentioned the opening credits. That is the coolest opening credits in any movie I've ever seen. Well, the reason they're so good is they got a Disney animator who okay. actually did villains. She did uh, Ursula. She did Jafar. Okay. She did almost all the paintings for that. I remember reading something that like they were mad that they act- all that money got spent on the opening credits, the person who made the movie. And then when they saw it, they're like, well, never mind. That looks badass. Yeah. The Which it kind of sucks because it sets it up. I think the opening title is better than the movie Yeah, um, in some respects. I agree. This movie is a classic, but it was, uh, it was my least favorite of the four to watch. Yeah. Yeah. But part of the group had just come off a witch board. Yeah. And what they really wanted to do was a slasher movie. Okay. And that's why you've got some of the kills the way that you do in this movie. Because the, I don't remember if it was the writer or the director said, well, right now their slashers are hot and everybody's shitting them out. Like we've talked about, let's not put ourselves in that position. And the movie definitely has some slasher-esque elements to it. You can feel it. I've also seen Angela kind of put up beside like when you see Pinhead and you know the other offshoot slashers. Like you'll see like her... And old magazines and stuff back in the day, right? Exactly. So uh, we open up with uh, Stooge, Helen, and Roger in a car. Yeah. And one quick thing I got to say. Well, the dialogue's bad in a lot of this movie. The dialogue's bad in most of the movie. But uh, the girl who plays Helen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Remember the Sega CD game, NXS Make My Video? Yeah. She's Joey the Blonde. Okay. Like, as soon as you said that, like my eyes just got really big. We were real big Sega CD players back yeah. then. We played everything. Even <laughs> don't like the, we don't like that band, but they got to make my video game. Fuck it. I'm playing it. Oh yeah. But uh, they're driving and there's a dynamic between Stooge and Helen that maybe they're dating or sleeping together or whatever. And then Roger's just the dude in the backseat. He's the third one. Right. And uh, Stooge is a complete asshole. Yeah. And uh, he makes Helen switch seats with him while he's driving so he can moon this this old man. Right. That they're driving past. And uh, we cut real quick from that to a rat in the old man's face. Yeah. And uh, it's Sal, who he's going to be in the movie, um, <laughs> scares the shit out of the old guy and he drops his groceries because that's what he's doing. He's carrying groceries. Right. So as he's picking stuff up, Judy comes up behind him and like puts her hand on his shoulder and is like, let me help you. And he's like, you whore. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes on this tear about all these damn kids. And uh, he's going through that while he's picking stuff up. Well, he picks up out of his groceries a fucking apple and a thing of razor blades. Right. He's right. like, yeah, they're going to get what they deserve. They're going <laughs> to get it tonight. We cut to Judy getting a phone call from Jay. Mm-hmm. And uh, saying they're going to go instead of going to the dance tonight, they're going to go to this party with Angela from school. And she's like, oh, the creepy witch girl. Yeah. And uh, well, I don't want to go going? to the goth kid. It's like we're going to whole house, whole house. Like yeah. she really doesn't want to go. And while this is going on, she just randomly decides to go bottomless and we get bare ass, which is funny because they <laughs> wanted her to go topless in the shot. And she's like, I'm not going topless, but I'll show bare ass. Right. So right after the phone call, her little brother busts out of the closet with a mask on and goes, whoa, bodacious boobies, sis. Those yeah. keep growing. You're going to have to hire someone to tie your shoes. Yeah. yeah. And, and he has a obvious foreshadowing there because his mask is a demon mask. Right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's actually, I think he's the little boy in Ghoulies 2. Okay. Or something like that. 
I haven't uh, seen Ghoulies in a long time, so. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I loved those movies when I was a kid. Um, but I uh, always remember the circus one and the dude taking a shit at the end, yeah. right? And the ghoulies in the toilet. Yes. But uh, there's somebody at the door and it's Sal. The little brother answers the door and Sal's like, where's your sister? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, oh, I know where she's going, but I'm not going to tell you. And gets him to tell him about the party. For a shiny quarter, right? Oh, well, he tries to do it for I a know, quarter and he's like, you think my sister? Anyways, <laughs> he, he bumps it up to a dollar and he gets the information. Yeah. <laughs> um, we get a quick cut to this girl's ass just wiggling. It's not just any girl, man. It's Linnea Quigley. Exactly. And she's playing Suzanne, and she's distracting the shop owners (laughs) while Angela is getting all the eats for the party, right? It's so creepy how they're just sitting there staring at her ass and and in her fucking underwear and stuff. Yeah, they're oblivious uh, because Angela even walks right by him holding all the shit after she whistles at her like, hey, I got all the shit. They're just still staring at him. One thing I got to point out here is there's you can barely see the edge of an arcade machine beside her. Uh The game's gyrus. I figured that out from the artwork. But what you're hearing is the audio from the Atari 2600 home port of Pac-Man. Okay. So that's just fucked up to just me whatever as a video game Foley, nerd. Yeah, whatever the Foley artist had. Yeah. But uh, so she's got the shit, and uh, Suzanne turns around and goes kind of like, you know, happily skipping towards the counter, and she's like, you boys got sour balls? And uh, they're like, yes, we do. And she's like, oh, I bet you don't get many blowjobs. <laughs> Here's the thing about Linnea Quigley. She was an 80s scream queen. Yeah. She just did a fucking insane amount of horror movies. Naked a lot of the time. Yeah. And uh, she can deliver terrible fucking lines and they work. I yes. don't know. She could say anything. I don't know why. It's just fucking. She's just renowned for doing that. Yeah. She does a lot of that in this one. We get Jay and Judy pick up Max and Franny. Just introducing characters here. I don't envy you having to remember all these characters names. Like I, know, I remember right? so I, like Sal and, and Stooge and Angela and stuff. I remember but like a lot of the other ones are just kind of like a blur every time I watch this movie. <laughs> But everybody starts getting to the house, and at some point, Max tells the story about how it used to be a uh, a mortuary, right? Is that the word I'm looking for? It's it's currently like a mortuary. Yeah, I mean, it's it's condemned, but like yeah. it currently is a mortuary building, but it kind of goes through the history yeah, of the he, land, he right? Tell, yeah, he tells the story about how old man Hull used to get real intimate with the bodies, <laughs> and they found everybody dead one day. Yeah. And it well, it was Halloween, and uh, that they think one of the one of the people killed everyone and committed suicide. There's so much blood they didn't know. So, anyways, we get the or start getting people into the house. Sal pops out of a coffin, right? Because he's been hiding there, waiting for everybody to get there. I want to roll you back a second if I could. Uh, okay. It's real important they mention that the brick wall around Fuck. Yes. the brick wall built around it is over a stream. And yes. they said, "Why would you put a fucking wall over a stream?" And he said, "Well, they say that running water stops evil spirits from crossing." Yeah, which is like an old legend, but it's because like they are trying to keep something in there. And he kind of, I think he goes over like some Native American stuff that, that happened. That's later. Okay. Yeah. Because like a lot of fucked up shit has happened yep. in this piece of land, not just as the mortuary. Yeah. Max seems to be the one that actually knows all this shit. So anyways, once we've got the group there, we see the boom box that you can clearly make out a TSOL sticker, a yep. Dead Kennedy sticker, a Fear sticker, yep. and a few more that I couldn't make out. Yeah. Then original music starts playing and it's party time. Right. So while everybody's partying, uh, Judy, I think, I don't remember if she's lighting candles or what, but she just sets a lighter down. And Angela's like giving her shit about trashing up the spirit's house. Right. And Judy's like, okay, whatever. And she sticks it in her pocket. So that's going to be important later. <laughs> and uh, so they continue to party until the boombox dies. Right. And uh, Angela says, all right, well, uh, why don't we play some kind of a game? Right. And uh, let's have a seance. Yeah. And Franny's like, let's do a, a past life seance. And right then they hear this growl. Roger and Stooge go taken off down the hall towards the growl. Roger comes back. They make a joke about he looks as white as a ghost. He's African-American. Right. That out. That's why that's a joke. 
Stooge is like, look what I found. And here's this full length mirror. Yeah. So they bring it in there and Angela's explaining what they're going to do is everybody just sit and stare at the mirror and the mirror should go black. And then we'll see what she looked like in a past life. Right. So everybody sits down to it except for Roger. Roger's overplaying with the fire. So they're sitting there staring and they're, they're making jokes about it. But finally, everybody calms down and the mirror goes black. And then somebody says, holy shit. And it's a really jarring shot in the movie because you see a shot of Angela turning away from the group to yell at somebody. Yeah. But there's nobody over there. I don't know. It's probably a bad cut or something. But while that's happening, you see a flash of this weird skull demon head thing. Yeah. And then a woman's face smash into the mirror, like smashing at it from the inside, like a window. Yeah. And uh, the only one who sees this is Helen. Yeah. And uh, she's screaming frantically, like all high pitch. You can't understand what she's saying. She explains to Judy that that's what she saw. Really interesting fact with the scene though, Judy and Roger's reflections can't actually be seen in the mirror and you know, spoilers, but they're the, the fucking survivors at the end of the movie. Cause okay. they, I guess cause they weren't in the reflection. Yeah. When Helen sees all the shit, then the mirror falls. Yeah. It falls the floor and breaks into shards. Cause Suzanne ends up picking up a shard yeah. of glass and she's, she's carrying around a little compact mirror earlier in the movie. And then she's carrying around this giant shard of glass <laughs> to look at herself later. But immediately the group starts hearing noises from down in the basement. And, uh, we get this cut that where we see down in the basement and we see it's obviously a crematorium and the door to the oven opens and we get a flash of the demon face again. And then right. this POV shot, like kind of flying up through the house, out from the oven, all the way up to where the group is. Very Sam Raimi, Evil Dead-esque. Very. Yeah, yeah. And they all start commenting on what the smell is. And throughout this whole thing, Stooge is the comic relief. If I tried to say everything he's saying, this would take forever. But yeah. he's, he's the one who keeps breaking the tension so the group doesn't bail, except for Judy. Judy just the whole time right. just wants to fucking leave or go to the dance, whatever. Stooge reminds me of the big guy from Power Rangers, like the bully. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> it looks okay. a lot like him. But uh, so once they're commenting about the smell, the POV shot of the demon goes over to Suzanne. Yeah. And then we get a reverse shot of her breathing in the smoke. Yeah. Real obvious now that she's mm-hmm. possessed. Angela starts saying that we all noticed the noise and the stink and we just felt a chill. These are all signs of demonic possession. Right. Like, okay, whatever, crazy girl. You know, it's back to Stooge making fun of the whole thing and breaking the tension. And everyone's laughing it off except for Roger. Roger's right. like, my father was a preacher. Yeah. And this is a house of the devil. And I'm getting the fuck out of here. I have seen some shit. <laughs> and, uh, he, or no, he says, this is a house of the dead. Yeah. And, and he's getting out of there and he bails. And uh, then they start smelling roses. Mm-hmm. And Max is like, oh, I've read about this. We're smelling multiple ghosts. Or they're and, having a stroke. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's also possible. And uh, Angela's like, that's, that's not it. This house uh, is not haunted. It's possessed. And Judy's like, well, what's the difference? And Angela starts to explain that, you know, when people are haunted, it's ghosts. But when houses are haunted, they're possessed by demons. Right, right. And goes through that whole spiel. Roger's in the process of bailing while this is going on. And then Helen says she wants to go with him. Judy wants to leave. Stu just wants to party. Uh, Jay takes Judy away off to somewhere else because he's trying to get some. Max and Franny want to actually go fuck. So so they go off. And uh, (laughs) Suzanne says she wants to find a bathroom. And Sal's like, oh, I'll go with you. She's like, no, I want to take Stooge. And Sal's like, Stooge is a pig. She's like, maybe I'm in the mood for pork tonight. Yeah. And uh, then all of a sudden she just walks up and kisses Angela. Yeah. And she's like, I'm in the mood for a lot of things tonight. Yeah. And then her and Stooge go off. So now we know this thing's been transferred to Angela as well. Yeah. It's not just a kiss. It's very apparent that she's transferring something to her. Yeah. 
Um, something really weird I want to point out. Angel's the main demon. Yeah. The whole movie. Like, she's big dick in charge. Yeah. She is the franchise. Yeah. Um, it's weird that Linnea Quigley's character got it first. I know. It doesn't make any sense to me. And, like, like, and, and as, as Angela's the darker one, and as you said, you go on through the other movies, but with Suzanne, she's the fucked up, creepy one for yeah, the yeah. rest of the movie. And it's weird because you think the first one, you know, a lot of times in these movies, the first one possessed is like the main demon and yeah. it spreads and it's, for some I don't know, maybe it's because she's got like the, she's gothic and she's got like the ties to it. I don't know. Really interesting costume fact that, you know, she's like in a black, like wedding dress nun outfit. Yeah. Just cross earrings on. Yeah. For, after she gets kissed, the uh, crosses are upside down for the rest of the movie. <laughs> I did yeah. not catch that. It's a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to Jay, Judy, Max, and Franny, and they're off in another room where there's like gurneys. Yeah. And uh, Max tells the story about how this land was cursed long before the house was ever built, that uh, Native Americans knew that the land surrounded by the underground stream was unclean. Yeah. And that some settler had made a home there and everybody died or some shit. Right. But anyways, just it, the darkness that's there is deeper and older than anyone realizes. Really and, interesting. Uh, uh, real interesting pillow talk as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, while this is going on, Jay gives Max the nod like, shoo, get y'all go. I'm trying to do something here. So they bugger off. And. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're going to hear me say this a lot. And Judy still won't put out <laughs> because Jay just keeps trying to get some and she's not having it. <laughs> so we cut to Roger and Helen outside. They can't find the gate right in the wall. And uh, like they've gone all the way around the compound. And it's just a brick wall with no opening. Yeah. And all of a sudden just Helen's gone. Yeah. And Roger's like, where'd you go? And he thinks he hears something saying his name. And he's like, fuck this. And he goes and hops <laughs> in somebody's car. And he's like, I'm hiding out here. And, uh, we cut back inside and Judy still won't put out and uh, Jay's like, well, the whole school knows that you made it with Sal. Why won't you make it with me? And she's like, is this all this was? Is this the only reason you wanted to go out with me so you right. could get some? And he gets mad and just walks out of the room and slams the door. Well, she's locked in this room now. She's going to be there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Conveniently. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, Suzanne has made it into the bathroom and she tells uh, Stooge to wait in the hallway. She has this demon out scene looking yeah. in the mirror and then just disappears. Yeah. And Stooge breaks down the door and he can't find her. So then we cut to the fucking dance scene. <laughs> um, and it's Angela and Sal. Yeah. And Sal's sitting there and Angela does this whole dance thing. And I know the the girl that played her, that that's what she did before acting. She was, you know. A dancer. Yeah. Because obviously like an uh, interpretive dance. Right. Yeah. 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 So she choreographed the whole thing. And that was like her big thing that she got to do in the movie. Like, you know, okay, cool. Whatever. It's really um, awkward, but Sal's kind of digging it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then we end up with Stooge walking back in, and Sal's getting cock-blocked again, man. <laughs> and she, but he he don't want it. He doesn't know it yet, but he don't want it. And uh, so she kisses Stooge. And so, like, okay, well, it's transferring into him now. This isn't a kiss. This is getting violent. She bites off his fucking tongue. Yep. <laughs> and spits it out on the floor. So now it's like, holy shit, it's not weird shit that's going on. Shit's fucked. So Sal bolts. So Sal finds Suzanne. Right. And this is when we get the lipstick gag. Oh, that's so fucked up. And because uh, she's she's putting lipstick all over her face. Yeah. And uh, she's like, is something wrong with my makeup? <laughs> and uh, he's like, fuck this and walks out of the room. But we hold on her and uh, she starts drawing on her on her boob with lipstick and then just shoves the lipstick inside of her nipple and shoves her finger up inside the nipple and pops it back up. It is so weird <laughs> and so disturbing while not being gross. Funny story, though. The special effects guy for the movie 
Linnea Quigley goes in to do the mold for a breast for okay. the scene. Married the guy shortly after the movie. So <laughs> I guess it was love at first boobies or something. I don't know. You know, the same guy I saw in an interview. I don't know if I'm right on this, but he talks about how he was supposed to. He wasn't going to have to worry about money for a while because he was fixing to do a Michael Jackson gig as a makeup artist. Right. And I assume Thriller because he says, and then he got fired. Yeah. So that's like this weird little thread that I can tie through this episode. <laughs> but I don't know. Um, but we end up with Jay finds uh, Suzanne. Yeah. And she's totally down to fuck. And uh, she gets on top of him and she's like, are you looking at my face? Is there something wrong with my face? And then she full on demons out oh, yeah. and fucking jams her thumbs into his eye sockets. We cut back to Max and Franny, which I think this is out of order. I think we already saw this. I don't fucking know. But it's like, really frantic. I mean, it's yeah. like the middle of this movie is so jam packed. And then the end is so slow. Yeah. And uh, but they're going to do it in a coffin because there's like, you ever done it in a coffin before? No, me neither. So that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Normal people don't do it in coffins. That's not why well, neither one of them done it before. <laughs> Sal makes his way back into the living room and Angela's sitting there like warming her hands by the fire. Mm. And he's like, what's going on? And she turns around and her hands are actually have been in the fire yeah, and yeah. on fire. And she's like, I'm just warming my hands in the fire. Right. And uh, I think this is when she full on demons out and starts floating around. Yeah. And uh, we cut back to Roger asleep in the car. And the car's shaking. And he starts talking about he knows it's Stooge. It's only his fat ass could move a car like that. Right. And all of a sudden, we get a woman's face slam into the fucking windshield. Splat. And it's Helen. It's the same thing Helen had seen in the mirror. Yeah. We cut to uh, Demon Stooge snaps Franny's neck and starts slamming the fucking coffin shut on (laughs) Max's arm and rips off his arm. Yeah. And that kills him. And he becomes, because he shows up later just as a fucking, well, it doesn't kill him. He shows up later as a demon. It's probably like the blood loss and stuff that he died. I guess if you die on, on there, you turn it because they, the veil's thin on Halloween, right? So the demons are breaking out and taking yeah, over. Yeah, and they're, and they're talking about that. And uh, so Angela keeps floating around. Roger finds Sal. Yeah, because Roger runs back in the house and they find, they're the ones who find Judy locked in the kitchen or right. whatever room it was. They get her out and, uh, so Sal and Judy end up making it into the Suzanne room. Right. And they go in and she's like, hi guys, how about an orgy? I'm sure if we try, we can get Jay Hart again. Right. And then Judy realizes that eyes gouge out. Jay is sitting there in the corner and Sal jumps out the window. Judy takes off again. The whole, like you said, man, the middle of this movie starts bouncing around so much back right. and forth where either we skip a bunch of shit or we say it. And I'm going to skip a bunch of shit. Because I mean, ultimately, they almost all get turned into demons. Exactly. We get we get down to where it's just Sal, Judy, and Roger, right. which is where we're at. And the the house is on lockdown, and uh, Judy makes her way up into the attic. Yeah. And from out the attic, she can get onto a balcony outside. I think at this point, Roger has jumped out a window somewhere. He got, she sees Roger down like a lower ledge, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. He had gotten back out of the house, and uh, <laughs> Roger's like. Yeah. And like pointing. And what she doesn't see is Angela's out on the balcony, too. I had forgotten about that part because I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. It's the only one on the list that I didn't rewatch regularly. Oh, really? I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it pulled out. It didn't scare me, but I totally forgot about and it. So Sal's up there as well. And because uh, he's coming from the other side on the roof, because what when he had went out the window earlier, he was in like an air shaft atrium yeah. thing and climbed up. And Angela starts choking Judy and Sal rushes at him and Judy breaks free is slung off the edge but holds on by her hands and fucking Angela and Sal go flying off. Right. Angela hits the ground unconscious. Sal gets impaled by a yep. fucking uh, fence board. Yeah. And uh, 
So while all this is going on, Roger's telling Judy, get down, get down, jump, I'll catch you. Well, fucking Stooge comes running out on the balcony too. And that's when she finally lets go and falls. Uh, Angela pops back up <laughs> and uh, she makes some joke about how uh, uh, sorry, Sal uh, couldn't stick around or something yeah. like that. And it cuts over because there's like a little cemetery right beside the house. And it says Sal Romero born whenever died tonight. Yeah. <laughs> on the um, tombstone. It's funny. Sal didn't have a last name. And uh, in the movie when they wrote it, but they needed one for the tombstone. So like uh, George Romero, and they just stuck <laughs> Romero on there. It's pretty funny. It's funny that you said like graveyard next. It wasn't really a graveyard. The tombstone just popped up where he's dead. But it's funny when you said next to the house, the house is actually, it just looks like it's in the middle of nowhere, like with wilderness yeah. around it. It was actually in a neighborhood and they matted out like the other houses. Yeah. The yeah. one they shot at. Yeah. yeah. So Angela ends up chasing Judy and Roger back into the house and they go all the way down into the crematorium. And uh, they go into the room, they shut and lock the door. And Judy's like, we got to get out of the house. We got to get out of the house. And uh, she goes over to the oven and she's like, Roger, it's another door. Right. And she opens it up and she's like, oh, what's this? And then she reaches down in the ashes and pulls out a skull. Right. She's like, Roger, it's an oven. And you can tell by Roger the whole time. He's like, this dumb girl, I know what it is. I'm just going to let her figure it out. <laughs> right. on her own. So the demon group, because everybody's fucking demon out yeah. by now. I think I missed uh, a part where Angela. No, that's later. I don't remember. Somewhere in there, there's a joke where Angela, Judy runs into Jay with the eyes and Angela's like, what's the matter? You don't like your blind date? Yeah. But anyways, they're banging on the door and they're like, we just want her. We don't want you tonight to Roger. And somehow that makes Judy think, oh, all we have to do is survive the night because it's Halloween and it's the only time they can take me back to hell. You'll be fine. It's, they, it's a well, weird piece of dialogue. It's a weird piece of dialogue, but they did say earlier in the movie, Angela says that Halloween's like the night that the demons can cross over. So, I mean, it. It's kind of the same. They just got to make it till daylight, right? Yeah. But um, so these demons don't have the power to unlock the door, but they do have the power to push the hinge pins out. Okay. That's stupid, but whatever. And uh, so while this is going on, um, Judy's like, we have to find something we can use as a weapon. And she goes up in the oven and she finds this go-go gadget elastic fucking <laughs> gas pipe because she just grabs it out of the oven and pulls on it and stretches it out to the middle of the damn room. Yeah. It's stupid. I'm not giving... It's just stupid. But the good thing is she has the lighter from earlier. Yeah. So as they bust down the door, she torches them. All the doors slam shut, including the oven, even though there was 15 feet of pipe sticking out of it. It's gone now and it yeah. just shuts. Sorry, I'm hung up on that, but it really bothers me. But they end up running upstairs and back out of the house again. I think that does the lockdown thing again. And Roger goes out a window and then they Judy follows. Somehow. They're outside. They go to the wall and there's a section of the wall where there's some barbed wire. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be able to use the barbed wire to climb up over the wall. Roger climbs that shit so fucking quick, dude. He's gone. Well, he gets up there and all the way over and Judy's still fucking struggling to get up there. And they show Roger on the fucking ground on the other side. So they're coming up and uh, I don't remember which one of them. One of the demons grabs her legs and her legs are like searing from the yeah. heat. And, uh, I think uh, it's Angela because her hands were cooked. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, well, her and Stooge are seriously cooked from the flamethrower bit now. <laughs> um, the actor that I read it, it's like, I don't remember if it was, it was more than 10 hours. Like it took more than 10 hours to do his burnt demon makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. they did like a uh, one layer of makeup, uh, the burn makeup, then a clean makeup over it and would tear the clean makeup open to show the burn. I mean, can parts. you imagine having to do like over 10 hours of makeup for like this movie? Cause it's not like, I mean, it's a cult classic, but it's not like it was a big movie. Uh, wait till know? we talk about how long they made that dude lay on the fucking table in the thing. <laughs> um, but at any rate, so she can't make it up. She's getting grabbed. Roger appears on top of the wall. There's no barbed wire on the other side. I don't know how he climbed back up the flat side. Right. My only other big thing I'm a bitch about. But he grabs her and they tumble over to the other side. 
Sun starts to rise. Demons turn to smoke. We get one last from the demon head floating in the air, and it like vamps out into another dimension back to hell, presumably. Yeah. So it's morning. The two are walking home. This is my favorite part of the whole fucking movie. It really is the best part. And uh, they walk past the old man's house, and he's out there getting the paper. And he bitches about it. Oh, yeah, did it all night. Some shit. And uh, he goes back inside, and his wife's giving him a piece of pie and his coffee. And uh, he's like, what's this? And yeah, he's real bitter and shit. And um, he's like, oh, well, I, I'm, I used to like my pies. And he's like, when did you make this? And he's like, last night while you were asleep. We didn't have very many trick-or-treaters like we used to, and I had to do something with those apples. Right. And uh, it's about that time he's eating it, and you see his throat starts to fucking slit open and fucking blood and razor blades pour out because it was the fucking apples he had prepped for the kids. And he's an asshole, and he got his just desserts. And it's really... It seems so out of place, but it's so rewarding to see that scene, but it's because it was called Halloween Party. So they had to have like a Halloween theme to tie it all together. And I mean, that was the only real remnant of it being Halloween yep. was the, the trick-or-treating Apple razor blade gag, you know? Yeah. And that's what's real interesting is it started off as that, became Night of the Demons, and then went that direction with the sequels. Yeah. Yeah. And I have never actually seen any of them besides the first one. So it'll be fun down the road to go in and do all this. Because I mean, it's a... Okay movie. It's a fun movie. It's not one of my favorites, but I mean, yeah, this is one that I hadn't realized I had seen yeah. until a, a, like maybe halfway into it. I do have to bring up the, the wife was watching it with me and she's like, okay, now that we're done with that piece of shit, let's watch the remake. Okay. And the remake blows this out of the water. Does it really? Until the third act. Oh, the okay. third act of, and not saying tit for tat, just the third act of the remake is terrible beyond okay. belief no matter what there's a lot of the remakes like that that like most of it's pretty good you know because yeah. there's been a lot of horror movies remade recently <laughs> that's the thing and half the shit we talk about from like the 70s and 80s is remakes of of older shit yeah happens all the time people bitch about remakes but there's always been remakes there's a lot more now than there used to be yeah um like i said earlier this is a fun episode to do because the just not being related movies yeah this was just an off the wall type thing that night of the what that there yeah. was a few that we could do. So I, you know, it was probably weird bouncing around from different things that didn't tie together or a person tying them together, but I'm, I'm hoping it came off as a fun ride. It was fun <laughs> to watch these. And I will say you said few movies Four seemed like a good safe number of movies. I'm not saying we can't do more yeah. or less in different times, but like, you know, first we're like maybe six and we feel like we kind of like, you know, did those too fast. And the paranormal activity movies were six movies and those were too long. Four might be, unless it's just a movie you can't talk about a whole lot, a good safe number to go in and just watch a few movies and talk about them. Yeah, and that's that seems to be a good spot. And like you said, coming off Paranormal Activity, that was a weird one in the first time we ever had to do a two-parter. Yeah. Well, Slashers was done the way it was on purpose for the yeah. most part, but that one came out of left field. But yeah, I think we've, <laughs> I think we've got this down to... We've uh, been looking at the sheet and we're... We're about running out of directors that we can do without doing two and three parters. So or five and six parters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's <laughs> you know when we had Wes Craven and fucking Toby Hooper and John Carpenter, those are going to be multi parters. But yeah. uh, but next week's not a director. Next week's going to be time for another franchise. I feel like we're enough uh, weeks away from slashers now that we can go back into a slasher franchise. So let's just go ahead and do Scream. This one, it's a Scream, baby. Hell yeah, that's uh, gonna be. Friggin' fun and yeah. an excuse to watch the movies again. Yep. I don't need one, but I'll watch them again because um, I can. <laughs> so, I mean, we were looking at Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween, but 
we just had like a multi-parter. So we're like, let's just kind of keep it single. I don't want to do too many multi-parters in a row. Yeah, those are not, neither one of those can we cram into one episode. So those will be down the road, but that'll be a fun one to do because that was the 90s again when we were teenagers and grew up with those. So, yep. And I will go a little bit more in depth from Scream than we did on the Slashers episode for it. Yeah, we're not going to just say, oh, we talked about the first one. We're going to go into it. Yeah. So uh, make sure you tune in next week to hear that Scream episode. And make sure you guys keep sending comments to sbyspodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe at sbyspodcast for Twitter and Instagram so we can start giving you guys much more information. Please keep spreading the word and please keep coming back. Thanks for listening. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comment zombies. <laughs>